I just welcome everyone? It's great to see everyone this morning. And um, it's really good to see you guys. I'm you, and I see you, Janine. God bless you. Great to see you in the house this morning, all the way from Harvey Bay. And um, God is good, isn't he? Can we just take a minute and just... Actually, can we just take a minute? You ready? Put your hand on your heart this morning. If you're at home, put your hand on your heart. I'm going to just pray, Father God, set a fire in my soul. Set a fire in the midst of my being, Father. And I love the words of that song that I can't contain and I can't control. God, set a fire. Make something new come out of here this morning. Lord, reveal something fresh to me this morning. God, teach us your ways this morning. Set a fire. Set a fire in our soul that we can't contain and we can't control in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, <clears throat> the message I'm preaching today, just so you all know, uh, thank you so much for releasing me last week. I went and had the awesome, awesome opportunity of preaching in another church in Anala last week, and I preached the same message. And it's really interesting because as I was praying and I was meditating on this, I preach the same message because I think this is an incredibly important theme for the month. And our monthly theme is why church? And some of you might be thinking, oh, you know, you're bringing why church out because, you know, the numbers are down and there's not a lot of people. That's not true. We planned our themes last year. It just happens that I think this is a theme that's relevant to every person who sits in the body of Christ, whether in JC or any other church. I also wanted you to know that I preach this in another church, so you don't think, oh, Pastor Phil wheels out his best messages for somewhere else and we just get whatever's left. I had a gentleman one time tell me, he'd left this church, he'd gone to another church and he was, he was in a bigger church and he was like, oh man, I'm really putting in so much effort into my singing now because it's a bigger church, you know? I looked at him and my heart broke. I was looking at him, I'm like, no, I don't know. No, I don't put any less effort in because it's a smaller church and more effort because it's a bigger church because the God we serve isn't indicative of numbers. The God we serve is God regardless of whether there's 10 or 1,000 people in the house. Can I hear it? That's a good point for an amen. The God we serve, the God I serve, when I come up to preach, I'm not actually just serving you, I'm serving him. So I'm not giving you, oh, you know, well, this week I was a bit coffee, a bit fluey, I'll just give you what's left of No. God, what do you want me to give to them this morning that will help them? And I really believe this series on why church is a question that every single one of us has to, has to answer ourselves. I know why I go to church. I know why I go to church. Oh, yeah, you go to church, you get paid. I was coming to church before I was on staff. I know why I go to church. My reason for going to church may not be your reason for going to church. My reason for going to church may not even be the best reason, but it's mine. What's yours? What's your reason for going to church? I don't want to tell you why I go to church, you know, like, oh, that's why you go to church. And then we start to debate, discuss, and dismiss why we go to church. No, no, no. I want to ask you why you go. You see, the most powerful answer you can give is to the question you've already asked. Why do you go to church? And I'm not trying to rattle your faith or make you go, oh, you know what? Then no, I no, stop. Why do you go? Not just why do you turn up, why do you tune in? By the way, tuning in is awesome. That's not church just yet. But we're going to get there. And I know, recognize that everyone can be here in the cousin's present season we're in with COVID, in the cousin season of COVID. I don't know. You know. 
<clears throat> in the current season with COVID, we can't all churn up, we can't all gather, we can't all hang out like we used to. And I'm noticing over this season, and I'm so pleased that God put it on my heart last year to preach this year about why church and get people to ask and answer that question. Because I feel that what COVID has done, not only to JC, but to so many churches, is it's caused people to feel isolated. And from feeling isolated, do you know what else has brought on? It's brought on a feeling of indifference. It's brought on a feeling of discouragement. It's brought on a feeling of it doesn't really matter, and if it doesn't really matter, I don't need to go. And I want to say to you the most powerful question you can ask yourself today and over this month is why church? Why do you go to church? Why is it important for you? I remember when I was having a conversation with my auntie many years ago, and she looked at me and she said, oh, I used to go to church. I was pushing the church bandwagon. And she looked at me and she said, oh, I used to go to church. But then I realized that I was going for the wrong reason. I was just going for the social aspect. And so I stopped going. What? I was going for the wrong reason. So instead of going for the right reason, I just stopped going. It's like I was brushing my teeth for the wrong reason. And so instead of brushing them for the right reason, I just stopped brushing my teeth. That's a weird system, isn't it? I was going for the wrong reason. What is the wrong reason to go to church? And, and you might, don't, don't answer that question out loud. Is there a wrong reason? I don't think there's a wrong reason. I think there's different reasons. I think there's different reasons and different stages. I think as you grow, you go for a different reason. And I don't think as you grow and God reveals that you're going for the wrong reason, can I say it like that? I don't think there's a right or a wrong, but he reveals to you this isn't the reason. <coughs> Excuse me, I should cough that way. <coughs> I should have maybe used a cordless. Anyway, moving on. Are you still following me this morning? I think he points out to you that maybe the reason you're going is very shallow and he says, I want you to go for a different reason. He doesn't point it out so you can go, yeah, you're right, God. The reason I go to church is really selfish and shallow. I think I'll stop. No. He wants you to grow through this and go with his power and his spirit in you. And maybe the reason you don't know is because you've lost sight of what the church truly is. So today I'm going to preach a message called, Take Another Look. The truth is, sometimes our, our passion and our purpose wanes. Sometimes we, we feel like we've lost the energy, the enthusiasm, the desire. And so I'm just going to say to you this morning, are you ready? Take another look. Take another look. Take another look at why you go to church. Can I have that first PowerPoint up that says, take another look? Because that's the title of today's message. <coughs> this is so weird. I don't know where to cough. I, I said this morning, and, and it was funny because I've been really unwell most of the week, and so I've got this kind of concept where, and, and just so you know, I haven't got a sickness, but what happens is when I've had a sickness, it goes to my lungs, and then my lungs have this kind of medium capacity. And uh, if I breathe fully in, I cough. If I breathe fully out, I cough. But if I stay in the middle should be fine. To stay in the middle, it means I've got to kind of center myself and stay calm. To preach with the presence of God is really hard to stay calm. So I'm going to do my best here. I'm going to start with the title, Take Another Look. I'm going to say to you this morning, I am absolutely sold on the local church. I am sold on what God can do through the local church. I am passionate, and, and, and I, want you to say, I want you to hear my heart this morning. 
excuse me. I want you to hear my heart this morning because I believe Christ is the hope of the world. And I think everybody who's sitting here as a believer in Jesus Christ says yes. He is the absolute hope of the world. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords. Is that right? Can I have an amen? He is the Lord of all. He is the hope of the world. He is the light of the world. He is the light in the midst of darkness. Can I say that? Can we? Yep. Okay, we've got that. Can I go? If Jesus is the hope, we are, as a local church, the expression of that hope. We are his hands and his feet. We are the body. Oh, I got this lot this morning just to rub people the wrong way in the current season we're in. But if Jesus is the vaccine, we're the needle. We are the delivery system for the hope of the world into the darkness of the world. We, the body of Christ, working together. Jesus doesn't just work in a vacuum. He works and chooses to work through people. And we're going to discuss that over the ensuing few weeks. Christ is the hope of the world and we are the expression of that hope. So this morning, let's pray. Father God, I'm asking that this morning you would come and open hearts and change lives. Father, don't let one person walk out of here the same way that they came in. Let your word fill us. Let it touch our hearts and let it change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start this morning with some pictures. And we're going to start this series called Take Another Look. And the first picture, I'm going to ask some questions. We're going to be a bit interactive. First picture is going to be this. Who sees mountains? Who sees bears? Hmm. Who sees mountains? Put your hand up. Let's be a bit interactive. Let's have a bit of fun. Who sees bears? Who sees both? Who sees neither? I'm just kidding. Let me go to the next one. (coughs) Next slide this morning. Who sees a forest? Who sees a face? Who sees both? Who sees neither? (laughs) Cool. Let's go to the next one. Who sees a frog? Who sees a horse? Who can't see a horse? Now, the way to see the horse is to just tilt your head. Everyone tilt your head to the right. Can everyone see the horse now? Who can see the horse now? Okay. Who still can't see the horse? (laughs) Let's go back to the frog then. Who can see the frog? Let's be happy with the frog. (coughs) Excuse me. Isn't it funny? It's the same picture, isn't it? That people see two different things. Let me go to the last one. Uh, The second last one. Sorry. Who sees a vase or a vase? Who sees two faces? Who sees both? Good job. Who sees neither? <laughs> who, who would like me to point it out to you, John? Would you like help with it? I'll just point out the pictures for you. Okay, let's go to the last picture this morning. You ready? Who sees an old lady? And I know I've used this picture before. Come on, I've used this so many times. I love this picture. Who sees a young lady? Who sees both? Who sees neither? You, you see neither? Chrissy? Chrissy? Look, no, no, Chrissy, look. If you look over here, right, if you look down at the bottom of the picture, that's her chin. And if you look to the right-hand side of your left-hand side and you look up, you'll see her nose for the young lady. So there's the nose of a young lady or the chin of the old lady. Can everyone see that? Isn't it funny how we can see the same picture? I'm wondering why you two are laughing in particular. <coughs> oh, dear me, I'm so sorry. 
Isn't it funny how we can see the same picture and see something totally different? Is that right? Isn't it amazing how we can see the same picture and it can elicit a totally separate emotion within our spirit? Sometimes the way we look at things needs to change for us to feel differently about something. Sometimes the image doesn't change. What changed is my perspective. What changed is the way I looked at it. Sometimes the way we see things needs to change for us to change. I'm going to read a scripture to you this morning, and just so you, in case you wondered if I was going to read on the scriptures, you're going to give me some cough lollies. You're like, that's like, but a menthol, isn't she lovely? Like, thank you so much. She was sick of my coughing already, you know. <coughs> Dear me, come on. <coughs> I was just giving you time to turn to Mark chapter 4. <coughs> A bit more time. Everyone need everyone there? Okay. Jesus shares this incredible parable about the man who went out to sow the seed. I want you to pick up in this parable, the seed never changes, the soil changes. And he reads this in Mark 4, listen, verse 3, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And some seed fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. <clears throat> but when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no roots, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased. Sorry, some seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it out and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground. And it yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, in every church, I believe that the four soils are sitting in the seats and watching on TV. In everybody's heart and everybody's life, you are represented by one of these four soils. And let me give them to you really quickly because this is who I'm speaking to. Number one, I'm going to work from back to front. The first soil I'm going to talk about is those who are here that are already producing a harvest. Those who are here who are already fruitful. Those who are here who are already yielding 30, 60, even 100 fold. And today as I'm teaching and preaching and sharing this message on why church, I believe that God's going to ask you to take a look differently. And maybe some of you are sowing seed and seeing a harvest of 30 fold and God's saying, no, no, I've still got 30, 60, 100 fold return for you. You may be receiving a 60-fold return. He's saying, no, no, I've got further for you to go. There's more your ministry can accomplish. So that's for you. For the second group down, we're going to work our way backwards. The other group, you started really well. You were real passionate. You were enthusiastic. And God had done something great in your life. But if you're being honest today, as you're sitting here, as you're watching by TV, you go, I started really well. But then the cares, the concerns, family, Business, teenage children, husbands, wives, things, life, just began to crowd in. Hobbies, sports, different things began to just, they began to crowd in and they began to suffocate the seed. The, the life that you had planted in me that was going to produce fruit, it started real well. The trees were healthy, the root was healthy, but then somehow life got in the way. Disappointments got in the way. Discouragement got in the way and I just... 
I kind of found myself overwhelmed and I still sit in the church and I still go to church, but I'm not as fruitful as what I know God's calling me to be. So this message is for you. The other group of those who the Bible says, you know, the seed fell on the soil and it was really good, but it was stony soil. Like immediately you received it. It was like, wow, that's so exciting. I can't wait to put it in. Maybe there's something God's told you to do or to try, something new, something fresh. The Bible says that because there's no root, immediately when persecution comes, you, you fall away. Because sometimes some of you started really well. It's like you know God's called you to do something, but the minute you tried to do it, you got discouraged because no one was approving of it. And you didn't evaluate it, you just kind of gave up on it. And I want to say to you this morning, I believe God's saying to you, take another look. That seed I've given you, that thing I've given you to do, it's not finished yet. Take another look. The last group I'm talking to this morning are the seed, and you're represented by those that the seed throws and it gets sown onto the pathway and the birds come and pluck it up. And they're the people who haven't received the seed into their life just yet. And maybe you're here today and you're like, man, you know, I'm not even sure I believe in all this stuff. That's okay. I'm going to ask you to take another look. You're here today and you've already got an opinion. You've already got a perception. You've already got an image in your head on how the church should look. And somehow it doesn't look the way it should. How Jesus should be and somehow it doesn't look the way it should. And so I'm going to reject the whole lot. I'm not even going to let that seed come into my life in any way. Maybe you're here today because a friend's begged you to come so he could take you to lunch afterwards. I hope the lunch was worth it. But I want to say to you this morning, take another look. You matter to God. And whether you're watching online or whether you're turned up in this service, you matter to God. And I believe he's going to continue to sow seed over that life of yours until something takes root inside you. And maybe he's come once or twice or a hundred times. Do you know, I noticed this, that when you scatter seed, you don't very often just scatter one, you just scatter the seed. And you keep scattering it and you keep scattering it and you keep scattering it. And do you know what I believe that God says to you today? Take another look. You've rejected it, you've pushed it away, but today he's got you here, tuned in, watching in the presence of the church, whatever it might be, but he's just saying to you, take another look. I'm going to ask that the picture of the old lady go back up again. <clears throat> I love the picture of this old lady, and this is where we're going to focus our thoughts this morning, because I feel like this is how we can see the church, the bride of Christ, and it because it's a female, it's the bride of Christ. I feel like some of us, can see the bride of Christ as this old person. Some can see a young person. But even in that, there's nuances, isn't there? There's these intricate differences that can be seen. Some of you see a bride of Christ and she's old. And in that, you automatically go down the track of she's old. She doesn't matter. Her race is run. What she has to give doesn't matter. It doesn't count. She's, she's the old school. She's old-fashioned. She's out of date and out of touch. And she doesn't matter. Some of you see age and you go, man, that's full of wisdom. That's a life lived well. She has something to pass on because she has a life full of experiences and wisdom to pass to that next generation. You good? Some of you see a young person and you go, man, that young person, they're so naive. Some of you are that young person. You're like, I've got nothing to give. I'm just young. I've got nothing to bring to the table. I've got nothing to give. I'm naive. I'm immature. I'm insecure. I've got nothing to give. But I want to say to you, some of you see the young person as enthusiastic and passion, full of life and energy and enthusiasm and something to bring to that table. And can we just pause for a minute and ask, 
because it's really, really important that we do this. It's not how you just see the picture and how you see the age. Can we ask the next question, which is, how do you see the church? Old and archaic, out of date, full of wisdom and experience, naive and immature, or youthful and enthusiastic. And can we go a little deeper this morning? Can we ask the question, how do you see this church? The church that you're in. See, I'm sick and tired, please forgive me, of people talking about, oh, I'm a part of the church. Listen, if you're not a part of the local church, you're not a part of the church. God doesn't have this surreal kind of ambiguous global church. Yes, they're part of a global church by being part of the local church. You you belong somewhere. So I'm going to ask you specifically, how do you see your local church or how do you see this local church? How do you see it? Is it old? Is it archaic? Is it out of touch with the community? Is it so full of life and enthusiasm like they just, they don't know what they're doing, they're just so naive? Is it full of wisdom and maturity? Is it full of enthusiasm and passion? Which, how do you see this church? Can I go one step further? Is this, are you still following me as we do this this morning? Turn to the person next to you, say, are you paying attention? <coughs> Here's the next question this morning. Are you ready just to get your attention? How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Ah, I'm past it. I'm old. I've got nothing to give. Oh, I'm just young and stupid. No one listens to what I've got to say. How do you see yourself? Can I go one step further? How do you see the person next to you? How do you see the person behind you? How do you see the person on the stage? How do you see the person in this congregation? See, how you see yourself is actually how you will behave. What does Proverbs says? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, if you think you've got nothing to give, then do you know what? You will project, I've got nothing to give. And people will treat you as though you have nothing to give. And then because you're human, you'll be offended because you think people treat you as though you've got nothing to give. But the truth is they're just reflecting back to you what's already inside your heart. And if you want to change the way they speak about you and think about you and treat you, you change what's in here. You change the way you see yourself. If you think I'm just silly and young and nobody listens to me and they all think I'm immature and inexperienced and they don't pay attention to what I've got, do you know what you do? You will project that out People will take that projection, they'll bounce it back to you and you will live out of that and you'll become discouraged and despondent because you feel like you've got... But the truth is, it's got nothing to do with everybody else. It's how you see yourself. Are you you getting that this morning? You want to change the way people treat you, change the way you see yourself. Let me say that again, over and over. If you want to change the way people treat you, change the way you see yourself. If you think you're irrelevant, guess what? You possibly are. You don't have to be. But if you think you are, why would somebody else think you're not? And if you think you are and you make it somebody else's job to tell you you're not, you know what? And here's the thing, lady, as a senior pastor, this is what I seem to face sometimes. I I need to feel like I, I belong. I need to feel like I matter. Okay. You belong and you matter. Yeah, yeah, but I need to feel it more. Okay, you belong and you matter more. Yeah, but I need to really, really feel it. Listen. It is not my job to help you experience like you feel and matter. It's your job. It's not my job to keep feeding back to you that you matter. 
In fact, I would actually possibly say to you, don't even look to me to find out whether you matter. Because sometimes I'm really up and sometimes what you do is amazing and I'm like, you matter! And sometimes I'm really down. And sometimes what I think shouldn't count for anything. Are you good with this? Are you getting something? Just follow me for a minute. We're going somewhere, I promise. See, church is a reflection of how you see you. If you see it as irrelevant, outdated, then that's exactly what it will be to you. If you see it as having something to offer, then that's exactly what it will be to you. So today I'm asking you to take another look. Well, can we go a bit further this morning? This is pretty cool because I kind of go, really, let's, let's be honest, it shouldn't matter how you see you. Definitely shouldn't matter how I see you because how you see you is often based on values and beliefs and opinions that have been given to you all your life by people in authority over you, yes? Or the way you've filtered them, the way you've received them, the way you've interpreted them. Are you still following me? So, so where should we draw that from? Where, where should we draw our value from? Where, where should we draw our concept of whether we matter from? I thought Naya was putting up a hand, but she was just pointing up. From God, shouldn't it? See, you don't matter because Phil says you matter. You don't matter because you do a lot in the church, and you don't matter less because you do little in the church. You, you follow me? You matter because God said you matter. You matter and you are valuable because God said you are. So now let's take that and say, well, how, how does God see me? N- not how does Pastor Phil see me, not how does people next to me see me, but how does God see me? And we're going to turn to Matthew 16, verse 8. And Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's just led them through a process. He's asked them the question, who do people say that I am? And they all answer, you know, some John the Baptist, some this, some Elijah, some a prophet, some a good teacher. He says, okay, okay, but who do you say I am? And Peter answers and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus turns to Peter and he said, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. He says, and you are Peter, and upon this rock, this rock of profession, this rock of confession, that I am the Christ, this rock, on this bedrock of truth, I am going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is the first time Jesus mentions a church in the New Testament. He said, here, on this truth, I am going to build my church. This is really important, because we're asking the question, why church? Jesus said, I am going to build my church. I am going to build my church. He didn't say I'm going to build a facility, a structure, or a building. He said, I'm going to build a gathering of people. And they are going to gather on this truth. And on this truth, I am going to build the gathering of people. They're going to come together for this truth because I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And they're going to gather in my name. They're going to be gathering washed in my blood. They're going to be gathering filled with my spirit. I... (coughs) I'm going to build my church. And then he says something incredibly profound. And the gates of hell will not prevail. When my body gathers, the gates of hell won't prevail. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen the gates of hell attacking anybody. Occasionally, maybe you slam your finger in one, but that's kind of it, isn't it? The gates don't get up and march towards you, do they? Come on, it's not difficult. Do they march towards you? Anyone seen a gate attacking anybody? Doesn't happen. 
So how would a gate of hell prevail against him? Because all through the scriptures, the gates were the place where the decisions were made. All through the scriptures, the leaders of the gates would gather together and they would come up with plans and schemes. At the gates is where the decisions were made, where the plans were made on how the town leaders would run the town. Are you following me? So Jesus says, I am going to build my church, the gathering of people who are called together, standing on this truth, and the decisions and the plans that hell has for you will not prevail. The decisions and the plans that the devil and his demons gather together and come up with, I'm going to do this to Tony, or I'm going to do this to Caleb, or I'm going to do this to Jenny, those decisions, when we're gathered together in his name, will come to nothing. They will not prevail. They will not prosper because we are gathered in his name. Are you getting that? Come on, that is so cool. So now let me ask you a question. If the enemy wanted to get to you, what would he do? I'm going to stop you from gathering. Because when you're not gathered, you're on the outside and not on the inside. And Peter writes this in 1 Peter 5 verse 8. He says, the enemy roams like a roaring lion or roaming lion looking for whom he may devour. Do you know how lions work? They don't run into the middle of the herd because in the middle of the herd, there's a whole heap of hooves that are going to trample the lion to death. Do you know what the lion does? He looks for those who are on the edges. And he gets his eye on them. And he separates them from the herd. And he begins to push them away and push them away from the safety and the protection. And do you know what things like COVID do? Do you know what things like the devil does with his discouragement? He looks for those who are already on the edge and he just begins to separate them a little bit more. He begins to come along and whisper in their ear, you don't really matter, you've got nothing to give, you don't need to be there. You don't really count. You've got nothing to bring. You don't need to be there. And he just comes and he keeps whispering it. And he keeps whispering it. And all of a sudden, we take that word. And take it, instead of taking the word of God and putting that in our heart and letting it produce fruit, we take the enemy's lies and we put them in our heart. And they begin to produce fruit. Because we begin to sit there and think, you're right. You know, I thought it mattered, but it doesn't. You know, I thought God gave me a dream, but, w- but when I took the dream to the leadership of the church, they just didn't listen to me and act on me straight away. And so, you know, slowly but surely, that seed died because I had no root. And so I got separated from the pack. And the enemy just comes in and begins to chew on me a little further and a little more and gnaw away. Are you getting me this morning? I don't know why you come to church, but one of the reasons for me is because when we gather together, believing together. You know what it says? It says, I have your back and you have my back. And you have the person next to you's back and they have your back. And you might be sitting here this morning thinking, I don't really have a lot to give. That is a lie from the enemy. You might be sitting in the mother's room this morning. I'm talking to the mothers this morning, sitting in the mother's room and you're turning up week after week with your little kids and you're thinking, I got, you know, like, I don't even know why I'm turning up. The kids are noisy. I got nothing to give. You might have a word in season to share one word with somebody who's discouraged in that mother's room. And that one word, that seed sown in their heart, changes everything and stops the enemy from pulling them apart. You're coming here this morning, you go, I'm old, I'm young, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too fat, I'm too thin, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too stupid, I'm too hairy, I'm too bald. How many excuses can we come up with to think we got nothing? That is a lie from the enemy. 
The devil says you've got nothing to give. You don't matter. It doesn't need to happen. You don't need to come in here. It's fine. But Jesus said, when my church gather together, the gates of hell will not prevail against them. My church gathers together in my name, filled with my spirit, washed in my blood, and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. Hallelujah. So if the enemy wants to get you out, what does he do? Man, I'm just going to separate them. I'm going to tell them they don't matter. They don't mean anything. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't count. It is a lie from the pit of hell. Church, Hebrews 10.25, let us consider one another. Let us consider each other. Let us be thinking about it. Let us look at each other. Let us consider each other. What does it say? Let us consider each other to stir up love and good works, to stir it up. Man, you're awesome, Frida. You got something to give. You might think you're too old, but I'm telling you, you got something to give. You got something to bring. There's a whole generation looking to you for the words of wisdom and prophetic insight from a life that's being lived well. You've got something to give. Where's Isaac? You might think I'm too young. I'm just a kid. I'm 14. I'm 15. What am I going to give? Who's going to listen to me? I believe God's got a spirit and his hand upon you. When you drum, you're drumming prophetically. When you speak, you're speaking with wisdom. You have got something to give and something to bring. You've got enthusiasm and passion that brings and the church desperately needs it. Don't allow the devil to tell you you're not worth it. (coughs) Let's try and stand up a bit longer. I'm nearly done. You may just be somebody else's answer in their time of need. Why church? Because you are somebody else's answer. Why church? Because somebody may just be the answer that you need. Why church? Because I'm lonely and I'm looking to my friend who I love with all my heart, but all of a sudden this begins to make sense. Man, because there are people who pray for me and love me and so want me to be connected and going on with God. Why church? Are you getting me this morning? Man, I tell you, let me finish with this. I want to take a moment and just pray. God, give us new eyes. Father, give us fresh eyes. Please, fresh eyes, fresh eyes. Lord, set a fire in our hearts. Set the word into our spirit this morning. Give us fresh eyes to see things differently than we've ever seen them before. God, whether they're watching on TV or whether they're in the house this morning, God, give them fresh eyes. Father, give them fresh eyes to see you. You know, this morning I shared with the team and I just want to share it real quick. I know my time's over and I'm really sorry I'm going longer than I need to or longer than I normally do. But I shared with the team, I said, when Aaron was told to bless the Israelites, he was told to bless them like this, the Lord bless you. And that word bless means the Lord kneel before you, messes with our heads in our Western culture that God would kneel until we understand that God doesn't kneel because He's subordinate and subjected to it. He kneels as a father who gets down to the level of his kids to look them in the eyes and to tell them you matter. Church, may the Lord kneel before you and look you in the eyes and tell you you matter. You matter. You matter. And today, before every single one of us here and online, there is this incredible invitation as God kneels and says, you matter, come and be a part of the family. Come, be a part of the family, because you matter. And I want you to be my son 
and my daughter and I want to kneel before you and lead you and guide you and talk to you and move you further forward with me and have a relationship with you because you matter. You getting that this morning? You know what you've got to do? It's an invitation. You just have to say yes. <coughs> God, thank you for sending your son to kneel before me. Thank you for sending your son to pay the price, to take the punishment for my sin. Thank you, God, that you don't stand high up and afar off and judge me, but Lord, you came down to my level to show me how to walk. Thank you, God. I want to follow Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of my life. Jesus, where you go, I will follow. What you say, I will do. Lord, I want to follow you because I love you. Lord, I want to let go of my old way of life and I want to walk into something brand new because you told me today I matter. Is that good? Come on. That's for someone this morning. (coughs) For someone else, I'm just going to finish with this thought. I think the enemy has been whispering lies in your ears for far too long telling you that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you go to church. It doesn't matter if you're there. It doesn't matter if you're not there. Why? Either he wants to destroy you or somebody that you have a message for. Trust me. Trust me with everything inside me this morning. Trust me. He does not tell you to forsake the assembling of yourself together for your benefit. And it is not the word of the Lord to you to forsake the assembling of yourself. That is not the Spirit of God. It is not the Scriptures. You can make excuses if you want. You can let the seed fall onto the path and be snatched away. But I believe when we ask the question, why church, I'm going to answer it like this for me and for you. Because you matter. You matter and you have something to bring for someone in this place today. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.